Hi, this is Jeff Rabel, uh, reigning Guinness World Record holder for most Bruce Springsteen songs identified by their lyrics in one minute. Uh, my record is 20. You can totally beat it. Uh, this is Set Lusting Bruce with the great Jesse Jackson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Set Lessing Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and tonight I'm talking to someone who's probably a little bit happier with the playoff uh, week football weekend than I am as we record this on January 14. How are you doing, Scott? I'm doing well. Yeah, there's no question. We're pretty spoiled up here in Boston football. Yeah. Um, it has been over 20 years since uh, the Cowboys have won a playoff game on the road. And um, it Barry Switzer was the coach last time that happened. Yeah, but, you know, that's, that's the thing about sports versus Bruce. When you go to a Bruce show, you know you're going to leave happy. You know, you're not going to leave heartbroken, right? You know, Scott, I, I, I make that comment all the time. Every once in a while, my son is, um, he's 29, and he's, you know, a massive Cowboy fan. And um, every once in a while, I, I won't change into a Cowboy shirt for the game. I'll have a Springsteen t-shirt on or a Doctor Who t-shirt on. I'm like, look, Bruce never disappoints me. <laughs> the not Cowboys true. break my heart all the time. And, you know, so, it's true. You know, I, my, I have boys who are 16 and 14, and they're huge sports fans, and we're sports fans together, and I've brought them to Bruce as well, and it's 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 two different kind of experiences when you bring your kids to something you've loved since you were younger, and now they're old enough to appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, they, you know, they've, like I say, they've left sporting events sad, you know, whether it was a Final Four or uh, or a baseball game. But, uh, yeah, they, the two times they've been to see Bruce, they were just amazed. Well, um, after um, after the Cowboys beat Seattle, um, you know we we were pretty happy and we're excited, and so I'm I'm heading to bed, and Chris is like, oh, I'm gonna listen a little bit to the post game show, okay? And then after about thirty forty minutes, I heard him playing over and over Springsteen's live version of My Hometown. <laughs> and I was like, well, okay, you know, uh, that's good. Uh, so anyway. Well, I, don't, I don't want to get too off track here, but, yeah. you know, the NFL to me is always about quarterbacks and head coaches. And I don't know if the Cowboys have a good enough one in either regard to ever get that brass ring. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. I, I totally understand what you're saying. I, I, And, yes, we will, uh, listeners, we will get to Bruce in just a moment. Um <laughs> I want to love Garrett so much. Um, at least once a year, um, usually during the off um, week, the bye week, he joins a, a couple of guys who do a um, intentional grounding. Um, it's a on Wednesday nights up here in Dallas, and they usually one of them used to be a music critic for one of the local papers. The other one is a sports writer, local papers, and they do a lot of pop culture. And 
you know, Jason Garrett has been on there talking about his Bruce love. And, you know, he did a paper about Bob Dylan when he was at Princeton. And, you know, how much he just, you know, is a such a big Bruce fan. And so right away he gets bonus points for me. Right? And so I get you, Jesse, but on the flip side, right, he's a nice guy. But I mean, Bill Belichick is not necessarily a guy I think would be a lot of fun at a party, right? Right. But at the World Series during the bye week, you see the Cowboys coach Jason Garrett at the World Series. Right. Um, Bill Belichick doesn't hang out at baseball games during bye weeks. He gets ready for the next game. Absolutely. Then, you know, I, I think you're totally you know, right. So, I mean, I think, you know, we... You and I can be the Bruce fans. We want our football coaches to be uh, Super Bowl champions, right? Absolutely, yes. Um, so, um, obviously, you're from New England. So, tell us a little about yourself. Yeah, I've got three kids. Uh, I live outside of Boston. I have a real estate company, um, and uh, you know, Bruce has just been a huge part of my life. Really, starting when I was younger. You know, where I, I went to camp up to Camp Skyline, Naples, Maine. And there were a lot of kid people who were older who introduced me to Bruce early in the 80s. And then uh, it just grew and grew. And, and it's kind of like my life. I can tell you uh, the albums that I was listening to and the, the music that uh, I, mean, I could basically, it's been a playlist in my life. Uh, you know, I look back at it. You know, that's, that's, you hear that a lot from people who are on the show, Scott. But before I get to that, talk about growing up. Um, I, I take it you were raised in Boston? No, I was raised an hour south of Boston in New Bedford, Mass., which, and uh, then we moved to Dartmouth when I was eight. Okay. And What kind of music did your family listen to? You know, my parents weren't really into music. I found myself listening to Cheap Trick. That was my favorite. Uh, even then, um, I listened to The Cars, which was a big Boston band. Um, I liked Billy Joel, and I liked The Who. Those were the guys, that, you know, even the Pete Townsend uh, single records, uh Single albums I enjoyed before I got to Bruce when I was a kid. Very nice. Now, are um, brothers or sisters? Yep, I have one sister. All right, older or younger? She's two years younger. She's a Bruce fan as well. So, um, so you influenced her, I take it? Yeah, I think so. And um, yeah, we've been to shows together. Um, we both met Bruce independently. She, um, you know, so. You know, we, we we both really are, you know, I, I mean, I'm obviously, I've gone to 100 shows. She's probably gone to 15 or 20, but, you know, we're both huge fans. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, you talk about, I guess you were at summer camp and someone had a Springsteen, uh, was it a uh, cassette, a CD? Yeah, it was a cassette. And, you know, the funny thing I remember as a kid was there was 16 bunks and there's a bunk line. And I remember that one summer when Born in the USA came out and it was so popular, you could walk by bunk three and you hear the Born in the USA, you know, synth. Then you'd walk down to bunk eight and you'd hear the same song just getting started down there. And that album really uh, kind of piqued my interest and really got me started. Uh, it is the gateway album for many fans. I know a lot of the um, fans who've been there from the early 70s kind of at times can be a little bit of snobbery. Uh, but, you know, the Face It, that was a great album. It is a great album. And um, it got so many people to listen to them and want to go, hey, I want to know more th about this thing that this guy's doing. Oh, I, I totally get you with the snobbery thing. There's definitely a lot of fans that think that 
anything uh, pre-Nebraska is really the only thing worth listening to. I, f- I find that so odd just in the sense that when I'm driving around in my car, you know, I'll put on something um, from a solo career. I'll put something on from Greetings. I'll put something on from Nebraska, Darkness. You know, I'll put on, um, you know, like this morning, I just had a, you know, I wanted to hear Jesus was an only son. You know, it's just, I never have understood that. Um, yeah, his, his early stuff is fantastic and legendary. I get it. But I never have understood that lack of inclusion with his catalog. catalog excuse me. No, I, I totally agree with you. Uh, you know, you're sitting there going, um, you know, Wrecking Ball and Magic, and there are great songs on each of those that, um, and it is the diversity of his catalog is one of the reasons why I enjoy talking about it to the different fans. Um, I hear you. I do think the one thing you could say, though, um, is that if you look at those albums, the first four, the first five, there's very, very few songs that you would pass over versus if you go later into his career, um, you know, working on a dream, you know, uh, maybe even uh, Human Touch. You know, there's more. There's not necessarily you don't need to listen to every single song every time you listen to the album like you do with Born to Run or Darkness or something along. So I can see that point of view. Yeah, uh, yeah, and I, I think you could under there certainly understand that. And, you know, as we talk about, there are different people you know, have different thoughts on it. You know, that there are everyone, every song is someone's favorite song. Um, I always joke except New Jersey Devil, but then someone <laughs> sends me an email. I like New Jersey Devil. Uh, you know, so uh, that's that's awesome. Um, you mentioned... It's so funny you say, so funny yeah. you say that because I have three friends of ours where we we're email geeks about Bruce and, we'll, and we, we'll say, all right, rank your top 10 worst Bruce songs, top 10 you know, top albums, even though we've done it a thousand times, sure. it always comes out differently. But Jersey Devil is, you know, but oh, we always have the same five or six worst songs. Jersey Devil's never came up, so I just find that interesting. That's wow, that's kind of interesting. Do you yeah. remember a couple that uh, would have made it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, first of all, Skin to Skin, Let's Be Friends is, is to me, the worst thing he's ever done. Okay. I just, I just can't. And then, the real man on, uh, I believe it's on Human Touch, that comes to mind immediately. One of my friends always says Pony Boy, but I think that's more he's just trying to demonstrate the song he sung to his kids uh-huh. versus it's a real Bruce song. But, yeah, those are the three that, you know, when we, and again, we don't nit, want to nitpick Bruce, but look, yeah, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah, we, um, we discussed... Um, uh, I've got an episode coming up. In fact, I was editing it while we were, I was um, getting ready for our call where um, Chris and Tim joined me, joined me and we picked our top five opening tracks on the studio albums. We each uh, selected, you know, our favorite songs on the tracks. And then we, we all three independently uh, went through the 17 I think studio albums, you know, yep. and kind of ranked them one through seventeen, and there yeah. was a lot of discussion about. Well, Outlaw Pete had to be the worst, right? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> right. but everyone kills Outlaw Pete. I don't mind it like everyone seems to. I mean, well, but you know, yeah, you know, and I, and I sense you don't agree with me. No, you know, in fact, I, I was gonna say what I was not a fan necessarily. And believe it or not, but when I bought the children's book, right. I liked it a lot more. 
and and I don't I, I don't know why it would matter because it's just the lyrics, but I think the way it worked of it, you know, with the visual, it it was really interesting. It's funny, you know, the lists are so much fun, aren't they? Um, they yeah, are. I remember Backstreet used to do a ton of these lists. So I went to this speech by Max Weinberg. It was actually a performance of Max Weinberg, some Israeli uh, singer, I forget his name. And they took questions from the audience, and people were always asking these um, most, you know, very cerebral, intellectual questions. And I really couldn't have cared about most of the answers. So when it was my turn, I said, I said to him, what do you think of the three most underrated tracks that you guys don't play enough um, to Max Weinberg? Oh, that's and a good I was, And I was so thrilled because his first answer was one of my all-time favorite tracks, which is None But the Brave. Oh, nice. Which was, which was fantastic. And then he said, and then he, he also came up with Don't Look Back. And um, I want to say the other one might have been Murder Incorporated, but I'm not positive. But I'm sure about those other two. But, uh, yeah, so even, even he was, you know, because it was funny. The other question I asked about was, you know, what it was like to watch his son, uh, you know, play with Bruce and stand in for him during that tour. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just the, the thing that struck me was how much you know of a fan he was of Bruce's music, just like we are. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I that's that's very cool. Um, you mentioned it's been over a hundred shows. Do you know the exact number? You know, Not... I really lost track. It's it's okay. a little over a hundred, but you know, some tours more than others, obviously. Yeah. Do you have um? Do you have some favorite tours? Well, I mean it. You hate the, you, the reunion tour was unbelievable for me, and I got to. There was a five night uh, run in Boston that I went to all five nights. Oh, that must have been it, nice. which was special. Um, you know, and at, during that week, I got to meet uh, Nils, and I got to meet Roy Bitten, which was great. Um, the last show of the last tour was very special for me out of Foxborough uh, mm-hmm. because I got to go with my wife and my two boys. The first time I had taken the boys was at Fenway which was great, except for the little guy at the time fell asleep in the, in the left field, uh, in the seats that they had put out in the left field in front of the monster. So he doesn't remember it as well. This time they, you know, we have the, uh, the release that they put out on, on the internet, you know, on our phones now. And it was one of, I think it was the second or third longest show of his career. And it was just a perfect late summer evening. And it was just magic. So, I mean, Oh, that's that was incredible. Really nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but also, but also, my first show ever was the opening night of the Tunnel Love Tour, and uh, you know, I was just thinking today about, you know, they were playing that on uh, E Street Radio, one of those tours uh, songs, one of the shows from the tour today, and it's just that's a whole different sound than he plays now. You know, it is. Um, you know, it's we've really been blessed with all these live archives that you know so much, so many different. Um, phases of his career and and get to enjoy and share um what's interesting is my son um was not a big bruce fan and he went with me during the river tour to the oklahoma city show um and mostly just as an excuse to go out of town with his dad i mean he was like hey i'll go with you dad and he went and he really got the bug and then uh we flew up uh, and went to the second of the three nights that are there at MetLife. You know, the Jersey shows kind of at the end of that, the second part of the River Tour. And he has that live set and plays it all the time, um, you know, because he just loved that that experience and that show and all the different songs. So 
it it, it is kind of so neat. special to share that with your son. It is very special. Um, it you know I I got such a kick. Um, my he played tougher than the rest when he asked his fiance to marry him. Uh, wow. That's kind of their song, yep. uh, you know, and and just um, and he was not like I said, he was not that big of a Bruce fan. He was definitely hip hop and, you know, a lot of and he still does love a lot of hip hop. Also, you know, he has this love of country music. So diverse. But, man, he just has all of a sudden, you know, over the past two or three years found that you know, love of Bruce and um, a lot of songs. And to bring it back, Scott, after the Cowboys lose, we <laughs> always play a little Bruce uh, to kind of make ourselves feel a little better. <laughs> so No, I hear you. You know, my son, you know, the first time he went to the same sleepover camp that I went to, we talked about earlier, he said when he missed me, he'd put on Bruce on his iPod touch and, uh, you know, now when he calls me, my ringtone for him is the saxophone from Prove It All Night. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's like we talked about with Jesus with an only son. We, you know, we want the best for our kids, like Bruce talked about on Storytellers. And to give a, the gift of Bruce to your children, what, what's better than that? And to share it with them. You know, um, I love that song. Um, I, I think um, I was lucky enough to see him. He was here in Dallas on the Devils and Dust tour. It was the second time I'd ever seen him perform. I um, I loved the song when it was on the CD, but then hearing it live and him talking about it's the humanity. And, yeah. um, and it it really was a spiritual moment. Um, I I also love Long Time Coming. Uh, when it, you know, Fabulous. if I, yeah, if I had one wish, you know, that your mistakes would be your own, I, I just, I think there is, there's so much truth in that, that we want our children, you know, don't make the same mistakes I did. You know, let me, let me try to help you. I know you're going to stumble. I know you're going to fall, but, you know, let me help you kind of get, learn from what I mistakes I made. So you can, you know, go out and, and at least not do those things. So, Absolutely. yeah. Um, so besides, um, are there other songs that have a special meaning to you or your family? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think Thunder Road is, you know, I think everyone loves Thunder Road as a Bruce fan for the most part. But I just think, you know, it, it, it's such a, it's the perfect song. To me, it's the best song he's ever written. Um, it's, and it's, you can, in so many ways he's played it and so successfully, but, you know, prove it all night. We talked about that. Um, you know, I always used to tell my kids before he started redoing it again, that he had this great version, the 78 version of prove it all night. And with the opening that we all, you know, it's so great. And lo and behold, when we went to Foxborough the second night, yeah, I mean, uh, he, you know, he did start with New York city serenade and then he went to prove it all night with that opening. And, you know, this, at the time, they were 15 and 13, looking at me like, is that the 78 version? And uh, So that's a really legendary song in our house as well. Oh, that's very cool. Um, just something about it just speaks to them? Well, just because I had raved and raved about it and how rare it was and, you know, played it for them you know, in Winterland and the Houston shows and the uh, Agora Ballroom shows, so... You know, they they always, you know, they love to make fun of their dad. And I'm always like, oh, the 78 version, you know, yeah. it's the greatest thing since way spread. 
the other th- the other song um you know that comes to mind is jungle land because i just i played that for them just to especially my younger son um it just really moved him uh and you know i just said like you know that's a song where when you go to con- when i go to the concerts in the past when he plays that solo um in the saxophone clarence would play that i just you don't even have to look at the stage. You just close your eyes and take it in and just be happy that you're there for that moment. It's just Yeah. Um, Scott, talk to me just for a few minutes. Um, how did you feel when, during that dark time, you've talked about you're a fan of the solo material, but as a fan, you know, they're right in, you know, New England, you're at the heart. Um, you know, Bruce fires the band and moves to California. What what were you thinking when that happened? Well, keep in mind, I was in high school okay. um, and in, co- in college when that happened. So, you know, and it, for me, it was disappointing because I was just getting the opportunity to see him live, right? Yeah. I'd only seen one. I'd, you know, when I was in boarding school, I tried to sneak out when he was in Providence for the Point the USA tour. I love and that. And got caught, so I couldn't see him then. And then got to see one in the Tunnel of Love. So, I was disappointed, but then, frankly, I'd only seen him once, so tickets were easier to get for that tour. So when I saw him, the Lucky Town and Human Touch tour, I loved it, but I still realized it was, you know, not exactly what I had fallen in love with. But, you know, I think all these books, not only Born to Run, but a couple of the other, the Carlin book, and I forget who the other guy wrote a book, when you read what was going on in his life. Now we understand a little bit more, and it, it's understandable. Back then, I think it was pretty disappointing. Um, yeah, and um, it is very interesting how in his book he opens and shares so much. Right. Uh, yeah. Were you lucky enough to get tickets for Broadway? Yeah, I, it's funny. Um, I went to this second night um that it, that it opened. It wow. was, I was sitting at my desk. Um, I was on one of those deals where I didn't get it through the, and I got a text and I was on a business call. I didn't even look at my phone. Then I just happened to look over my text after I got off. And it's like, if you want Bruce Springs tickets for tomorrow night, um, you have 15 minutes to call. And I'm like, Jesus, how much, how many times minutes? Yeah. Like, how much have I log, wasted? I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry to log on. So I logged on and got him. I said to my wife before, I'm like, look, these tickets are not going to be easy to get. So basically we're going to get them. When we get them, take the Acela, leave the kids, come back the next morning. And that's what we did. And it was, uh, hopped on the train, got a hotel room on the way there. Um, and you know, and it was a fantastic experience. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough to go in January. Um, you know, a ticket magic, you know, uh, a guy, you know, reached out and said, Hey, I hear you want to go. Um, you know what? And so I was able to go in um, and just it was just something special. And I just really appreciate him giving so much of himself. It it just seemed amazing. Yeah, I don't know how he did it every night after night, uh, you know, because it has to take an emotional toll. I mean, he not just the performance, but it's not like it's not like he's it's a fictional story. That's his life. And. Yeah, his sorrows and pains, and I don't know the the thing. Frankly, the and I know Patty sometimes with the fans can gets a little bit of an eye roll, and I've never and I, and I think it's like the Yoko Ono thing. I've never understood why because I think she's always 
been great and taking a back seat and, and all that kind of stuff. But when you read Born to Run and you read what she did for him during his tough times with depression and so forth, and you watch them do those two songs together and you watch him kind of touch her on the back afterwards before she leaves, I felt like that was the most moving part of the show to me, the brilliant disguise and tougher than the rest. Yeah, I I agree. I um I was lucky enough um in Houston um in 2012 um there was a sign request for One Step Up and uh yeah. he and basically he and Patty did a duet. I mean, the band ended up coming in and I was just amazed at how intimate that sounded and um it, it's funny, I've had a couple of friends, um, they went when she was out sick, and they both said, um, I would have thought that wouldn't have bothered me, but it actually, I felt a little disappointed I didn't get to see that part of it. Um, was excited. Yeah, I, that I, feel, I do feel for them, because I had the same experience for one of my friends that missed her as well, and I think he played Long Time Coming instead. Right. Which is a very nice substitute, like you said before. But you know, like your your friend put it perfectly. Like you wouldn't think that would be something, but frankly, I just I feel for anyone who missed that part of the show because that, along with the incredible switch in the room when he went from my father's house to the wish, were the two things that really stuck with me the most from that from that performance. Yeah, um, I did. You know, the other thing that I've talked about is, um, and I am not a hater but i was like wow that's kind of weird he's doing dancing in the dark you would that's not i i you know i don't i wouldn't have picked that as something autobiographical or something to do but then when you see the show and him talking about how much his mother loves to dance and to go yep. dancing in the die into land of hope and dreams um was just something that i was like wow i was blown away and I also think Dancing in the Dark kind of fits into that category of Bruce, song, Bruce songs that he loves. You know, because um, I was with you. I, I was surprised he selected that. You know, there were other things that I thought he might have gone with. But he's, as you know, he's played that on a lot of tours. You know, Yes. Um, and there's other songs I think most of us would agree that we'd rather hear, as great as that song may be. But uh, he, yeah. I, he loves it and, and he plays it. Yeah, I, I can't remember who wrote it once, but someone said, um, you know, Bruce loves playing, playing Waiting on a Sunny Day, so just get over it and enjoy that he enjoys playing it, you know? That's, and, a, that's, that's exactly right. I mean, for me, this, that song might be working on a highway, right? Working on right. a highway, or even Darlington County, for that matter. I mean, look, for those of us who, you know, it's it's one thing if you've been to one or two shows and you're up there and he's, you know, having a good time, he's playing his, his his stones off. But when you've been to as many shows as we have, and love is, you know, you tend to sort of hunt, song hunt a little bit, which is not yes. the best way to go to a show. But we all are guilty of it. So yeah, yeah, and, I think your your advice is very good for anybody, for all of us. Yeah, and I, I you know, and the other thing, Scott, right, is that um, I I talked about this. Uh, one of the things, um, you know, when I I grew up loving comic books and there was um, someone said that everyone's comic book is someone's first comic book. So when you're writing that story, you need to make it inclusive so that they can figure out what's going on. And I said, you know, 
every Bruce concert is someone's first show. And my buddy Sam was like, you know, I don't need to hear Born to Run again. I would right. much rather get some, a rarity, you know. But um, I said, yeah, but if you've never seen Bruce, uh, you're going to be disappointed he didn't do Born to Run. Well, and Bruce, he said, Bruce said that himself. Bruce yeah. has been on record saying, look, I'm playing for that guy who's spent his money, can afford one show, and that might be the only time he sees me. Yeah, absolutely. And and it it uh, I think that's the right way to think of it. Um, so how about um, you talked about it. You've seen him 100 times plus. You talked about chasing songs. What are some songs you haven't heard that you would love to? There's one, there's one that just stands out, which is Downbound Train, and it's not even that rare. It's just amazing that of all these shows I've gone to, he's never played it. I mean, it's one of my top ten favorites. There's so many great recordings on the uh, released and unreleased bootlegs, um, but that's the one I'd really like to hear. Um, that, Scott, that's the one that immediately comes to mind. That you know, That's just so funny. You're right, because it isn't like it's a rarity. Like, you know, I, I love the cover of Jolie Blanc. I, I would just go crazy. Yeah, but I've heard, yeah, but I've heard that more than once. Right. Um, you know, um, it, and to, or, or hear some of the, um, you know, I, I love Better Day, so I've never heard that. So there's other well, songs. Yeah, I mean, he played that over and over on that tour, so I've heard right. that many times. But, yeah, to think about uh, Downbound Train, from you know, born in the USA, um, yeah, uh, that is a fun one that you would think. But Scott, the first I think, seven, I think the other, yeah? the other one that comes to mind, you know, which is more rare, at least in terms of live playing, yeah. would be "Save My Love." I think that's a fabulous oh. song and, and uh, just a perfect three-minute record, as he would say. Yeah, I would love to hear that. Um, you know, going back to the first seven times I heard him. Uh, the first seven shows I attended, he never played Thunder Road. And I was like, well, yeah, how, funny how can I miss that, right? And, and don't forget, my, like I told you, my first show was the Tunnel of Love tour, which if you recall, that before that tour, he said he wasn't going to pull out the War Horses. Yeah. So he didn't, you know, he didn't play Thunder Road in that. And, and, I, and that was the song I was dying to hear, you know, especially after the release of the live 75, 85 album. Yeah. And so when he... He did the free NCAA, uh, you know, for the Final Four that was at Jerry World. Yeah. He did that concert. Yes, which was amazing. Uh, And, um, you know, and that was the first time I'd heard Thunder Road. And it was like, oh, man, I, you know, I'm so good. And he's played it every time since. Uh, But, you know, but yeah, so, but you you can't get tired of Thunder Road. Yeah. we, Jesse, can I ask yeah, you this? Do you sure. feel like do you do you enjoy that a little bit less? Like, or put it another way, Clarence was such a big loss, right? Yes. Do you feel like that's the one song besides Jungle Land you miss him on the most? Yeah, I think so. I I think so. Um, I think that's a really insightful question, Scott. Um, Thank you. I know that. Um, I always think that Jake um, is going in his mind uh, during Dancing in the Dark 
where they, mm-hmm. he does the solo while Bruce looks to find who he's going to dance with and right. all that. I'm like, I always wonder if Jake's like, come on, Bruce, come on. I've, I've been playing a while. Let's just get your person to dance with. Let's move on. Uh, I don't know. That's uh, certainly Jungle Land, and they make it very rare playing it now that we've lost Clarence. Um, it is... I just loved it when... Towards the end of Thunder Road, when Bruce would be on one side of the stage, one end of the stage, and Clarence would be the other, then they would meet in the middle. I mean, that's just like, that's just when you feel so alive at a Bruce show. It's such a special moment uh, in oh, those shows. Yeah, I absolutely. I that's that's a good thought. Well, which leads me to my next question, the Mary question. So, um, I um, I've had um, my friend. Um, who, God, now I'm gonna I'm gonna have to edit this out because I'm drawing a blank. Um, so yeah, Jason Armstrong has is he is an honors English teacher, and he teaches a whole um, chapter on Thunder Road. Um, his <laughs> his they they covered as a poem. Uh, Jason discusses it compared to Robert Frost, The Road Less Traveled. Um, they talk about the imagery and, and the the story. And then at the very end, he asks his students, does Mary get in the car? Because the song leaves it vague. Um, now, when he does it live, he says, we're pulling out of here to win. But the actual lyrics is, I'm pulling out of here to win. So my question to you, Scott, do you think she gets in the car? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a fun one. I've heard you ask that before, and I've never really come up with that answer. Um, but, you know, isn't Bruce's theme always, you know, I mean, I think maybe originally she didn't, and now she did, and now she does. Um, I don't mean to cop out, so I guess if I have to give an answer, I'd say no, she doesn't, because I'm pulling out here to win. He's lost again, and he's given it another shot. Redemption has been a big part of, uh, and losing have been a big part of his music and, and struggle and that's, but not giving up. And I think that's kind of where he was in his life when he wrote that song. So I don't think she got in that car. No, I, I think that's a perfectly, um, acceptable answer. Uh, you know, Scott, I tend to be a romantic and think that she does. Um, my wife who cannot stand Thunder Road, um, she, cause she thinks it's all a song about settling. And um, she doesn't find it romantic at all. Um, Interesting. Yeah, uh, very cool. Um, so did she tell you that before you got engaged? Um, so I yes, um, we. <laughs> well, we, you love her then, so that's important. Yes, we do. We we have a. Um, I joke about. Um, we have a mixed marriage. Um, you know, she's not. Though when she went to saw the first time she saw Bruce. Um, she was not impressed at all. Uh, she didn't know any of the songs. She was just kind of, uh, okay. Which tour? Uh, we went to the Rising Tour. Uh-huh. And so it would have been better if we could have gotten to the Reunion Tour, you know, kind of the greatest hits. So we went and saw the Rising Tour. She had not heard any of the Rising. Um, the next show we went to was a Wrecking Ball Tour. And she had listened to the Wrecking Ball CD a lot. Really loves that CD. Um, especially Rocky Ground and um, a couple others. 
And um, so she funny because that. I think that song's so great, and nobody ever they don't play it. I mean, on Eastview Radio very much, and yeah. you don't hear people talk about it. It's a fun. It's just a, so much so so great, so different than anything you ever did. Yeah, and um, she had gone camping, and they went to Big Bend, uh, the national park here in Texas, and they she had gone on like a tour a a, a two day hike. They hiked out, slept under the stars, then came back. You know, in her mind, every time she was walking, we've been riding on rocky ground, rocky <laughs> ground, as, you know, her hiking boots hit all the rocks and everything. So um, she said that she's ready to see him live again. Uh, she says, you know, I, I think it's about time to go see. Um, so, yeah, we um, – <laughs> the other day – um, I was talking to something, and um, and she was saying, you know, I'm not listening. And I said, Linda, our whole marriage after 34 years is us not listening, is is sharing with each other things we don't care about, and we pretend we do. I, that's well, that's, that's our whole marriage, uh, you know. When you uh, asked her to marry her, did you say, Linda, let me be the one? No, I. So we got married. I got we started dating in 1980. We got married in '84. So I was a casual fan at all, though I do every anniversary. I do post on Facebook and on Twitter. I'm so glad Linda let me be the one. And when, and when I was on E Street Radio getting to be the boss, that was one of the songs I picked. Uh, <coughs> because awesome. I had to, right? Yeah, make, you got to make her happy. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, how how could I not do it? Um Scott, this is great. So, any final thoughts? Can I tell you about my story about meeting Bruce? It's quick, Please. but I think you'll enjoy yes. it. I want to hear it. All right. All right. So, my dad took my sister and I out to California in the 80s. Um, you know, my, we just kind of, my they, my parents just got divorced, so he wanted to do something with us. And my sister, we're on the plane, and we're she's all excited about seeing movie stars. And, and we're going in, in Beverly Hills, and L.A., I'm like, Suze, you know, who cares? You know, she bought an autograph book and stuff. I'm like, the only person I'd ever want to meet would be Bruce Springsteen. So we're walking down Rodeo Drive, and, you know, my dad and her, and I'm bored. Um, and we go into this little men's store. And uh, so I'm looking at a pair of pants, not because I want them. Again, I'm bored. And my sister grabs my arm, and she's like, Scott, look over there. It's Bruce Springsteen. I don't even look up. I whack her arm away. I'm like, get the f- off me. And yeah, she's yeah, like, yeah. Uh, you know, so um, she goes, no, look over there. So I look up, and there's Bruce standing there five feet away from me. So I walk over, and, uh, you know, again, I'm like, actually, no, I take that back. I was I just finished my fr- – it was in my freshman year at Syracuse. That means I was 16 or 17. So long, so walk over there, and I say, look. My name is Scott Schuster. I'm really excited to meet you. I just want you to know how much I enjoy your music, and I want you to know that whenever I'm not feeling, I'm feeling down a little bit, I put your music on, and it really helps me. And he looks at me, and he has this big, and he's like, wow, this means so much to hear about that. I really appreciate you telling me. And he kind of, you know, gives me a hug. And you know, so he's like, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? So we're uh, next thing I know, I'm telling him about my life and stuff. So, uh, so um, my dad, you know, was finally comes over about two or three minutes later, and he's like, 
I'm like, Dad, yeah, this is Bruce Springsteen. Uh, Bruce, this is my dad, Richard Schuster. And my dad goes, how do you guys know each other? You go to Syracuse too? <laughs> <laughs> so, and Bruce loved that. Uh, you know, it's funny. He signed a couple autographs for my sister and I and then uh, went on his way. So, and it was, you know, like I've, you know, I've met a bunch of celebrities in my lifetime and sometimes you, you're worried that they won't be, you, you want them to ruin what you, what their art, you know what I'm saying? Or their sport or whatever it is that you like them for. And he couldn't have been greater. So I, I'll always be appreciative of that. Yeah. I, um, you know, the only time I was able to meet him so far is, um, you know, at the book signing where I got, you know, my six seconds to tell him something. Um, but it was enough for me. It was enough for me. It didn't matter if he heard what I said. I just needed to say it. Um, the That's a great story. And, and just to sh- kind of share him, I, I, I love that. I love the idea that he's just, oh, wow, nice to meet you and where to go. Um, and... I, I I don't know if your dad was joking or not. But no, he wasn't. That, he wasn't. He was absolutely clueless. That is that makes it even better. Well, that's what I'm saying. And Bruce knew that it was obvious. He you know, was trying. Hey, how do you guys know each other? You go to Syracuse too. And uh, Bruce loved it. It wasn't like, hey, how do you, how dare you not know who I am? No, he laughed yeah. it off. He's like, nice to meet you, Mister Schuster, or something like you know, along those lines. That is awesome. That is great. Um. So, any other thoughts, Scott? You got any other stories to share with me? Well, you know, I just, uh, I'm like you, on bated breath, waiting to see, uh, waiting to see what happens next, you know. Um, but, you know, I just feel like, the one thing I want to listen, you know, I, I love your show. Um, oh, thank it's you. It's just, it's so much fun to listen to somebody as passionate as you are, who, um, you know, you know, tramps like us, who really dig deep and really, Make it such a passion hobby of ours to be a Bruce fan. Uh, you, you provide a really valuable outlet, and uh, I feel really lucky to have been here with you as a guest tonight. Well, Scott, we will have to have you on again. I, I really appreciate it. I know you had um, uh, family, um, not drama really, but just you know the normal hustle and bustle of a family. So I appreciate you rearranging everything so we can visit. If someone wants to reach you, uh, how can they? What's your Twitter handle? Oh, gee, is it at Scott Schuster 11, I believe? Yes, it is. SEO, I think it is, yeah. Yeah. By the way, really nice website for your business. I was checking that out. It, it looks really it's good. So funny you say, it's so funny you say that because uh, we're redesigning it right now, but thank yeah. you very much. Yeah, that's very cool. Uh, all right, well, hang tight while I do a little business. Uh, if you want to be on the show and share your Springsteen story, uh, several ways you can reach us. You can t- Send me on Twitter at Jesse Jackson DFW. The show is at SetLustingBruce. And we have an email address, SetLustingBruce at gmail.com. We have a Facebook page. You can go and like it. Um, and let us know um, that you want to join because uh, we're always looking for guests. Um, and tell someone about the show. Just just find another Bruce fan and say, hey, have you heard Jesse Set Lusting Bruce? Um, and let them know that they might enjoy it. Um, Scott, this was a blast. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. We're going to end with everybody's got a hunger. 
a hunger they can't resist. There's so much that you want, you deserve much more than this. But if dreams come true, oh, wouldn't that be nice? But this ain't no dream we're living through tonight. Girl, you want it, you take it, you pay the price. Prove it all night. Nice. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast. That is the one, the only, set listening Bruce. Set Listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for Set Listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.